The word of the Lord today is from Mark 3, verses 20 through 30. Jesus entered a house, and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, he's out of his mind. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebul, and he drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. So he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Sometimes when I when I hear the scripture reading, I, I imagine wheels are turning in, in your mind, and you're like, what in the world is this talking about? And I imagine that in some of the scriptures there, that's probably what was happening. I'm glad you're here. I'm not, my attempt is to explain what's happening in the text. Um, so, uh, as you know, we're going through the book of Mark, going verse by verse, seeing what Jesus has to say to us through that, that gospel. Now, a question, I have a question for you. Have you ever sought to do something good and you felt like it backfired? Everybody feeling that. Okay, so like when you were trying to do that good thing, were you thinking, will anything good come out of this? Like I was trying to do something good, it didn't work. You know, life is messy even when you are trying to do good. Even when you're, you're trying to obey the Lord, Things might not always turn out as you thought they would. Life is messy, and as we see in this text, ministry is messy too, even when you're trying to do it well. I'm going to define ministry. I mean, it's very simple. Ministry is praying, speaking, or serving in, in Jesus' name. And you think, well, how could that ever go wrong? Look at the text. Does it seem like it's going well for Jesus right now? No, no. His family's saying he's crazy and people are saying he's Satan. It's not going well, even though he's trying to do what is good. But what we have to believe is that God is at work even in the mess of ministry. E even when we are praying and speaking and serving in, the, in Jesus' name, and it doesn't seem to be turning out the way that we thought it would be, we have to have faith that God is at work even in those times. If God is at work, even when the result of ministry effort is messy, that means that we have to, have to endure. That we have to keep on doing what we know is right, even when we can't see if the results are beneficial in our minds. If we have faith that God is at work anyway, that is what will give us the strength to endure and keep doing what we know 
to be right. Let's ask the Lord for help. Lord, would you help us to understand this text? Lord, Lord, the scriptures say that, that you are the one who looks at the hearts and you examine each and every one of us. And so, Father, I pray that, that today, as, as your word is preached, that you would examine our hearts. That you would weigh what's in our hearts. That, that you would commend what is commendable and that you would convict what needs to change. And that through the whole thing, Jesus Christ will receive glory in our life. That he will receive glory in our endurance by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we look at verse 20. We have this idea, and I don't even think I have to argue with it, with you about this. Life and ministry can be exhausting. Yeah? Look at verse 20. Jesus entered a house, and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. That's how busy his day was. Believe it or not, I had a day like that a couple weeks ago. I was, I was in this meeting, and it was like around one or two, and then I realized I'm hungry. <laughs> I haven't eaten anything. Now, listen, I usually eat my lunch, okay? I was like, this is, you know what I'm saying? Like, this, oh, this, this is an exceptional day, you know what I mean? The, the, the idea from last week's text and sermon is that, that we share in the ministry of Jesus. And if we are going to share in the ministry of Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised if we go through the same things that Jesus went through. If Jesus gets exhausted while helping people, you should not be surprised if you feel that way. Are you better than him? I hope so. Thank you. Listen, the needs of serving, the needs of life can be great, and the reality is it can negatively affect us. Hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. You can try to be doing something good and right. And the immediate effect on you is bad. You hear what I'm saying? Listen, listen, listen. Over the past couple of weeks, I felt feelings of exhaustion, sadness, heaviness. And I'm like, I'm trying to do what you want me to do, Jesus. I'm tired. You need to not be surprised when you encounter trouble on the path of following Jesus. Jesus says in John 15, 20, he says, remember the word I spoke to you. He's speaking to the disciples. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. Translation, if I have encountered hardship in my ministry, don't be surprised if you encounter it as well. And I need to speak to this idea. Listen, you do not need to be deceived by the idea that if you're going to follow God, then your life is going to be and feel great all the time. And listen, that message is floating around. It's floating around, and what it does is it destroys people because they have this expectation that my life is going to be awesome, and then life isn't awesome. And But if you believe that if you obey God, that your life will be awesome, and it's not awesome, then you think, well, God lied. It destroys people's confidence in God because they are promising something to you that he did not promise. And you look at him and go, are you a liar? And he says, did you hear what I said? I did not say it was going to be great. 
I didn't, listen, listen, if, if Jesus, our Lord and Savior and our master, encountered hardship while he was trying to do good, don't be surprised if you do as well. That's not a time for you to go, where is God? No, it's a time for you to go, he said this would happen. Now, get to verse 21, and I, I imagine this really hurt Jesus, right? When his family, when his family, y'all, when his family heard this, they set out to restrain him. Y'all know what a straitjacket is, right? They set out to restrain him because they said he is out of his mind. Listen, listen. Many would not understand the effort exerted by Christians for praying, seeking, serving in Jesus' name. From their perspective, they're seeing Jesus. He says, I'm a rabbi. I'm going to go teach. And they're just observing his life. And they're like, it don't look like it's going that well, Jesus. Like, you ain't ate in the minute. They was trying to, in the previous passage, they was trying to crush you. You had to get on the boat so you could not get crushed. And you got people calling your names. Jesus, are you sure you're called? Jesus, you sure you're doing what's right? You might be crazy, Jesus, because you, you, you said that God sent you, but it don't look like God blessing you. You feel me? So, so they're looking at him like, I don't, he don't seem all right in the head. He keeps, he keeps exerting this energy to obey God, and it doesn't seem like it's paying off for him. Imagine the pain that this would have caused Jesus. In other words, they're like, Jesus, why are you exerting so much effort for this? It'd be different, like, if your ministry was balling, Jesus, I, I, we can get on board with that. But look, look, it's not going well. What are you doing? See, some see efforts for the kingdom as foolish and a waste of time. Now, listen, I asked, I asked if I could tell this story. Remember? When I first started following the Lord in high school, I was very burdened. Burden for my, my school, burden for the, my fellow students. And, and I learned about this discipline of, of fasting. So I would fast and I would pray. And my mom said, what are you doing? What, what in the world are you, like, that's too much. And I remember she set up a meeting with me and my youth pastor going, why is he fasting so much? Now, I'm sure my youth pastor was very confused. <laughs> He's like, you might try to follow the Lord, you know? <laughs> like, you know like, but the, but the, the point of the matter is, is what, why are you exerting that much energy? Like, calm, calm it down. Take it down a notch. Now listen, we cool now. I love you, Mama. Thank you. We must remember, though, when our efforts feel exhausting and look crazy to those around us, we must remember that it is worth that we must have a long-term view of life and ministry. We don't do what we do for immediate gain. We have to understand that when we do good for the Lord and when we're seeking the, the, the Lord's kingdom and the benefit of others, we don't do it so that we can get a quick fix. We do it because we believe that God is going to work in the long haul. So listen, if Jesus' own family didn't understand his efforts to serve God and others, you can be sure that there will be times when you will be misunderstood as well. Now, now we, we got these scribes, these religious leaders are coming and they're saying crazy stuff about Jesus. In effect, they're trying to discredit his ministry. Some seek to discredit the Christian ministry. Look at verse 22. It says, 
the scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. That's just another name for Satan, okay? He's possessed by Satan, and he drives out demons by the ruler of the demons. So, so, so Jesus is trying to help people. He's trying to help people so much that he is exhausted, and people coming up to him like, well, do you follow Satan? You know, <laughs> can I catch a break? I'm trying to help people over here, and you're saying I'm the devil. Now, I need to make a caveat. Ministry leaders are not Jesus, so sometimes they need to be confronted and exposed. However, there are times when false accusations are made against Christian ministry. I got a really good example. Y'all know I'm a history nerd. So y'all know we do this thing every week we call it communion. You know, we take the bread and the cup. Well, when Christianity was, was first starting and it was like a small group in the Roman Empire, one of the rumors that spread around was that they ate people. Because they said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Eat and drink. And they just spread in the room. Don't you be hanging around them Christians. They be eating folks. They said it out their own mouth. Just making up stuff to discredit what God is doing. They were resulting in name calling. Now, you know you lost the argument if you're just calling somebody names, right? <laughs> right? You know, Jesus, you possessed by the devil. Okay. You know, like, and, so, and, and they're just assuming bad motives on Jesus' part. I remember, you know, sometimes, I don't know about y'all, sometimes the fight against sin is really hard, and I have to make plans to fight against sin. Sometimes I can't just fight against sin when I feel tempted. Sometimes I got to think, let me think about tomorrow. Is there a situation that I'm going to be in that I don't need to be in, all right? So, so I remember when I was first trying to follow the Lord, and I would, I, people, my friends would go to this event or that certain thing, and I'd say, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go, because that's not a good environment for me. And they would go, oh, you're trying to be holy. And I'm like, well, yeah, and I'm not good at it. So, like, like, <laughs> like, you know, like they were like, well, you, you think you're better than this? Like, no, I don't. That's why I'm not going. Like, I'm going to do the exact same thing. Like, I, I got to back up. But they were assuming in my motive to pursue holiness that I thought I was better than them. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just trying to be. These are real problems that Jesus encounters. You can see it in the text, and they're real problems that you will encounter. Some people will make stuff up about you. Some people will, will uh, uh, assume your motives are wrong. All these different things. That is the hardship of trying to pray and trying to speak and serve in Jesus' name. However, these are not causes to give up praying and speaking and serving in the name of Jesus. Now, I love how Jesus responds. It says, so he summoned them and spoke to them in a parable, a story. How can Satan drive out Satan? If the kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. You're like, huh? Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, listen, I know what's happening in my ministry. My life looks messy right now, but you need to not get it twisted. I'm in control. I'm in control. They look at him like, don't like, you know, no, 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 no. What I, Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm defeating the strong man. I'm defeating Satan. 
I'm, I'm taking stuff that he has stolen from God's people and I'm giving it back. Even though it looks messy, don't get it twisted. I am in control. See, Jesus defends the ministry that at times seems chaotic. Remember, remember, he was getting crowded so that he couldn't, he, he, he couldn't like move around well. There was chaos. He's exhausted. He can't eat. And he's saying, even though it looks like that, don't get it twisted. I'm still in control. And he's like, look at the fruit of the ministry. The fruit of Jesus' ministry is that Satan is losing. Jesus is given the, the, a, a, a story to say, duh. Like, like he's obviously not working for Satan because people are learning about God. They're repenting. They're being healed. Demons are being cast out. He's like, I'm obviously not doing that. That doesn't make any kind of sense at all. What he's saying is, is, is listen, the strong man, that strong man is a figure for Satan. And it says that, that Jesus is breaking the power of Satan. That he ties up the strong man. He ties up that, that evil strong entity and takes away his power. Now, I don't know if I've ever tried to tie up a strong person before, but I imagine it wouldn't look pretty. Right? Somebody rolls up in my house trying to tell my kids we're going to fight, okay? And it might not look pretty. <laughs> we might be struggling. What he's saying is, like, you need to open your eyes. Jesus is like, listen, we're in a spiritual battle here, and it's, it's a battle. And it's messy. And it looks like a battle, which is messy. Nevertheless, the end result is that Jesus is plundering the domain of Satan. Look, look, look in Colossians 1.13, Paul describes our salvation. He says, he, God, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loved. In other words, Jesus goes into enemy territory and takes their stuff. That is not a clean pristine thing to do. In other words, he's saying you need to expect that if you're praying and serving and speaking in Jesus' name, if it really is a battle and the Bible says it is, then you shouldn't be surprised if it looks like that. Th that's not evidence that, that Jesus is not in control. Okay, we'll get to this, this next part of Scripture because I'm sure you have some questions about it. 28 says, truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. Blasphemies are just saying wrong things about God. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Now I'm a level with y'all. When I first saw I found the Lord and I read that passage, I was like, oh, Lord, like, which sin is that? Have I done it? Did I do? I don't. I, I know some of y'all feeling that way. So let, let, let's explain. What is the unforgivable sin? What is he talking about? First, we need to understand what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. Because it's the issue of blasphemy against the Spirit. What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Jesus explains it really, really succinctly in John 15, 26. He says, when the counselor comes, that's the Holy Spirit. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. In a nutshell, the Holy Spirit's ministry is to convince you of the truth about Jesus. Now, if you are not convinced about the truth about Jesus, are you forgiven? No, no. 
Here's the deal. Listen, you, you, before you say it, you can say all kinds of crazy stuff about Jesus. You believe, and Jesus said, I'll forgive you. And if the ministry of the Holy Spirit is at work in you, you will be convinced of the truth claims that Jesus makes. However, if you resist the Holy Spirit and do not believe the truth claims about Jesus, you do not receive forgiveness. What I hope you hear is that yesterday you didn't accidentally blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He's not, he's, not saying, he's not saying don't ever make a mistake. He's saying, listen, do you believe that Jesus is the Savior? Do you believe that he forgives sins? Do you believe that he is the Son of God? Then that means you didn't blaspheme the Spirit. You did not say, no, no, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to believe what you said. No, no, if you believe the truth about Jesus, that is put in you by the Spirit. It's actually really connected to the, the catechism question. Where does faith come from? The Holy Spirit. If you deny the Holy Spirit, you ain't got what? faith. All right. So Jesus' opponents, the ones who are calling him Satan, they would not seek forgiveness and salvation from someone they did not believe was from God. So he's saying, y'all saying crazy stuff about me. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit because he's going to tell you the truth. The truth is you need me. Now what we see is as people were looking at the ministry of Jesus, both his family and the scribes, and they're like, it's too crazy, Jesus. Too wild. You're exhausted. You're tired. You don't even. You're not even eating. That that can't be. That can't be right. That can't be blessed of God. In other words, they, they were a bit too quick to judge the ministry of Jesus. They're a bit too quick. Which means that we ourselves need to be patient as we seek to discern what's right and what's wrong. You know what I'm saying? We need to be patient and to try to discern what's right and wrong. And you're like, well, what are we judged by? I got two things. You're not going to be surprised with either one of them. The first thing is, is we ought to judge by the scriptures. In John 5, the, he's having an argument with the Pharisees. And Jesus straight up says, you've been searching the scriptures and they talk about me. If you was looking at the scriptures right, you would see they are about me and my ministry will be vindicated. And 2 Timothy says, all scripture is inspired by God. Is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that a man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. How do we judge what's going on? How do we judge what's going on in our life and somebody else's life? How do we judge what's going on in other ministries? We compare it with the Word of God. Is does this does this jive with what the Scripture says? And not only that, we judge. Listen, by long-term fruit. In Luke 6, Jesus says, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn, bush, bush, thorn bushes or grapes plucked from a bramble, bramble bush. In other words, he's saying, listen, listen. If you're looking at a tree and you're like, is that an apple tree? You're going to have to wait till the fall, okay? Then you'll know, right? Now, listen, now if the tree just got planted, you're going to have to wait a minute, right? You're going to wait a long time. What, what he's saying is, listen, listen. Listen, we need to embrace the fact that there are things we won't know unless we give it time. There are judgments that we can't make without the benefit of some time on it. What that should cause you to do is to be very patient with people and not to make quick judgments. Okay? Be very patient and don't make quick judgments. 
Now, I want to hammer in on something on the text because that parable that Jesus gave, he says, he says, listen, I went up in the strong man's house. I tied him up and I'm taking his stuff. Y'all thought, thought Jesus was nice. No. That's what he said. OK, the work of Jesus tied up the strong man, Satan. I want to explain to you how. Here's the deal. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, you'll probably go, which point did he tie him up? Was it, was it there? Was it there? Listen, every aspect of Jesus' ministry was him tying up the strong man. Every aspect of what he has done. Now listen, I'm going to tell you, I, now y'all know I'm a little bit of a dork, but one thing I do on, on Sunday mornings before y'all get here, before anybody gets here, I, I try to pray. I try to pray uh, for, for y'all, try to pray for the church, and and one of the things I use is this ancient resource called the Great Litany. You're like, oh, that sounds exciting. But listen, all it is, all it is is just a really expanded version of what we pray together. I mean, you, you pray for the nation, you pray for the world, you pray for marriages, you pray for babies. I mean, you just pray for a bunch of stuff. All right? I just, I, I'm like, I, wanna, I don't want to skip nothing, Jesus. Help everybody. <laughs> Help everybody do everything they need to do. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to make sure I get all of it, okay? Now listen. Listen, the intercessory, it's an intercessory prayer that covers a wide range of topics. But there's a section that prays about how Christ delivers and saves us through every aspect of his work. And I, I want to share something with you. It says that Christ delivers us by the mystery of his incarnation, by his holy nativity and submission to the law, by his fat, baptism, fasting, and temptation. You're like, how is Christ delivering us through those particular things? Listen, listen, the word became flesh. Why? To confront Satan. The word, the, the one who existed in perfection, had no troubles in heaven, became flesh so that he could put on flesh and defeat Satan on our behalf. Christ destroyed Satan's rule over humanity by coming as a man. Here's the reality. And if you got little kids, you know this. We are born sinners. Satan dominates us from the moment we can make a decision. But there was one child he didn't dominate. Jesus Christ dominated Satan from the moment of his birth. See, Christ destroyed Satan's rule over humanity by obeying the Father perfectly for 30 years. And at the moment of his great, greatest temptation, after he is baptized and when he is fasted and when he gets tempted after 40 days, what does he do? He resists Satan in the wilderness. At the moment of his weakest, he is tying up strongly. It also says that he delivers us by his agony, by his bloody sweat, by his cross and passion, by his precious death and burial. Get this, y'all. Christ defeated Satan by being faithful to God and then suffering from the garden of Gethsemane to the cross. You remember in the garden, he's, he's thinking about the fact that he's going to have to die and bear the weight of sin. And the scripture says that he's sweating what looks like great drops of blood. And he says, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass for me, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And then, and then he goes through these trials where they're making fun of him and they're beating him. Listen, this is the one who created the heavens and the earth. At any point in these trials, he could have stopped it. 
And then he's, he has a cross on his back and he's walking down the road to this, the place where he's going to be crucified. And people are beating him as he's going to be crucified. At any moment, he could have put that cross down and showed them who he was. But he kept walking down that road. And then he gets nailed to the cross and he's posted up and people are saying to him, if you're really, really the son of God, then get down. Listen, y'all, he could have got down. But he didn't. He didn't. And he sit there and he suffered. Why? Why? Because in his flesh, he is defeating Satan by his endurance. Not only is it Christ is defeating Satan by taking the consequences of human sin on the cross. Y'all know that when Christ is on the cross, he's not suffering for himself. He's suffering because of our sin. One of the big names for Satan in the scripture is the accuser. And it is, it is what it sounds like. You did this, and you did that, and you did that. You, you horrible, right? Accuse, 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 accuse. Listen, all of our accusations are put on Christ at the cross. So the scriptures say, who is there to accuse? You accuse me of this, that, and the other. I'm like, that's right, but he took it. You accuse me of this, sin. No, no, he took it. Listen, listen. When Satan is whispering in your ear accusations, you need to remember, no, Jesus tied up that strong man. Because he took those accusations on the cross. Not only that, Christ tasted every last drop of the curse of death on our behalf. He didn't fake die. He really died. He was buried. Then, then it goes on to say, the prayer goes on to say, say, deliver us by your glorious resurrection and ascension, by the sending of the Holy Spirit, by your heavenly intercession, and by your coming again in great power and glory. Listen. Christ broke the power of the fear of death through his resurrection. The reality is, if you don't trust in Christ, death should scare you because either you don't know what's coming or you do. Either way, it's not good. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he actually gave you a foretaste of what's going to happen to you if you trust in him. So the strong man can make you afraid of death, but you say, actually, actually, Jesus went through death and he come out on the other side and I'm going to follow him. He takes away that power. Not only that, Christ defeats the power of Satan in his people by sending the Holy Spirit. That, that, that he went to heaven, he sent the Spirit. And listen, listen, the strong man, Satan, could wreak havoc up in your heart, but Christ sent the Spirit. Not only that, it says that he intercedes. Listen, Christ prays for and constantly advocates for his people in heaven. And the last thing, he will come back again. The scripture says that when he comes back, he's going to throw Satan in something called lake of fire. That might be a metaphor or whatever. That means that he ain't going to mess with us no more. Right? <laughs> we ain't going to buy Satan. You know, <laughs> like Jesus is going to finally and fully tie up the strong man, and we will never see him again. So when Jesus says he ties up the strong man, he actually does. In every, every aspect of his life, it's him accomplishing our salvation, him breaking down the works of Satan and his effects, and him sharing with us the benefits of forgiveness and life and peace. And guess what, y'all? Jesus is still at work through the church to plunder Satan's house. But let's remember. Let's remember what it looked like in the life of Jesus. We should not be surprised if our ministry has similar stresses and complications like those of the ministry of Jesus. 
So if Jesus faced exhaustion while doing ministry, so will you. And if Jesus faced some frustration while doing, I know he did, because sometimes he would look at him like, why ain't I got no faith? If Jesus faced frustration doing ministry, you will too. Listen, I loved hanging out with the students on Wednesday, but that was, there were some points where I was a bit frustrated because they was not listening to what needed to be happening. And I could look at that and I could go, I don't want to do that anymore. Or, or I could go, I should not be surprised if Jesus experienced frustration in his ministry and it was still effective. That's the key. Then, then, then I can experience frustration and continue to go and realize it can still be effective. If Jesus faced misunderstanding, if his own mama said, what you're doing, you're crazy, then you shouldn't be surprised if you face misunderstanding. And if Jesus faced opposition, you shouldn't be surprised if you do. Nevertheless, we must endure. We must endure. And the, re- the way and the reason and the cause of your endurance will be that in the middle of the mess of your life, in the middle of the mess of you praying and speaking and serving in the name of Jesus, when I'm like, what are we doing? You would have faith that even in this mess, this is Jesus accomplishing his purposes. So, y'all, the Bible stresses this deep importance of endurance. Hebrews 10, 36, it says, you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what it was promised. Listen, if you start doing something and then you quit, you ain't going to receive nothing from it. But if you endure, there'll be a point where you say, oh, I, I know what that was for. Listen, the histories of the victories of the church is the history of endurance. One of the first missionaries, modern missionaries, was a guy named William Carey. And he sailed from England to India in the 1700s. You know how long it took them to get a convert? Seven years. This man kept preaching the gospel. I imagine year six, he's like, dog, gone. <laughs> what is happening today? Ain't nobody coming to Jesus. But he endured. And because he endured, there was a witness for Christ in India in the 1800s. And then there are many testimonies of modern day Christians that live in places much harder than it, to be a Christian than it is here. And they endured. Listen, this is crazy. Numerically, there might be more Christians in China than in America. Now, we don't really know because you can't really count them because they hide. But get this. Christians are enduring under a government that is trying to persecute them, and they're enduring, and they're multiplying. Now, if they would have looked and go, it's hard, let's go home. What's up? Nothing would have happened. Listen, Matthew 24, 13, it says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. We will see God's salvation as we endure. So what that means is you have to endure in a lot of areas of your life. I know some of y'all, y'all might struggle in in private devotions. You're like, I'm struggling to learn how to pray. I'm struggling to read the scripture. It's, it's kind of it's hard. I know I should do it. I know I ought to do it, but I'm struggling to do it. And my word to you is endure. Keep showing up. Keep opening up that Bible. Keep fumbling with your words to the Lord. Listen, if you would endure, you would see fruit. Some of y'all endure and y'all praying for others. And you're like, and sometimes, have you ever prayed for somebody and it got worse? 
Like, I, that, I'm like, like, I'm like, what in the world? I prayed for you, and it just didn't, didn't seem to work. Now, no kind of way. Listen, listen. But here's the deal. You pray for that person, and you keep praying, and you keep praying, and you keep praying, because if we endure, we will see the Lord's salvation. Yeah? And sometimes you're serving people who don't seem to like you so much, right? You're like, I'm trying to be nice to you. I'm nice to you a lot, and you kind of, I ain't going to say it. Now listen, listen, listen. You might be serving people, and you're like, why? It doesn't sound like they care. But listen, you serve, and you serve, and you serve, and you endure in that. And if you would endure, you would see God's salvation in that. And y'all, sometimes when you're speaking about Jesus to people, it looks like they ain't listening worth nothing. Y'all, listen, listen. I have been in places where I'm talking about Jesus, and people are straight up asleep. I'm like, how? I, I, I just seen it. Come on, come to Wednesday night. <laughs> now, now listen, I'm, I'm sitting there going like, I'm, I'm like yelling about Jesus, and you just looking at your phone, and you're looking this way and that way, and you're laying on the pew, and you're like <laughs> just wilding out. And listen, listen, I could get real frustrated and go, I ain't going to do it no more. But no, no, if we will endure speaking about Jesus, we will see the salvation of the Lord. So my encouragement to you this morning is that you have to have faith that God is at work in the mess of your life and ministry, and that will give you strength to endure. That when you look around and it looks messy, that is not a cause for hopelessness. That actually resembles the life and ministry of Jesus, and we know he won because he endured. So, beloved, endure. Endure those hardships. Endure those ministry challenges. Endure that impatient person. Endure, because if we endure, we will see the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I I bless you and I honor you that Jesus gave us an example and he gave us a picture so that we don't have to be confused. Lord, if he encountered trouble, if he encountered opposition, if he encountered frustration and seeking to do your will, then we shouldn't be surprised if we encounter similar things. So, Father, I pray that you would give us the endurance of Christ Jesus, who at many moments of his life could have gave up, but he never did. Lord, we don't have that just in ourselves. We, we need a gift of your endurance. The beautiful thing is that, that, that because we are united to Christ, what he has, we have. And so because Christ endured, and because we are connected to him, we too can endure. So Lord, would, would you accomplish that in our heart? Would you give us these gifts of endurance? Would you give us these gifts of perseverance, Lord God, so that we can participate in your kingdom expanding? Lord, I just, I just pray, Lord, that we would be a church that doesn't give up, that doesn't throw in a towel. Because even though it's messy, even though it's complicated, even though it's confusing, we're going to keep going because we trust that Jesus is at work in all of this. In his name and for his glory.